We're finishing up those while they're doing that. Let me just say probably, I think all of us, we fill that out. There's some things that we put down there that we put maybe usually or frequently, and we know, we know in our heart of hearts we ought to be putting always. And so I, I trust that some of that will be a challenge to you as it was to me as we um, do this. Our text this morning is Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, if you'd turn to that. If you did not finish it, you can give, us, give it to one of us after the service this morning. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2. Um, this is the first of a two-part series, uh, shorter than usual. A lot of times I'll do four or five weeks on family. This, this year it's just two parts. And uh, we've got some other things coming up that I'm really excited about, and so you'll hear more about those as we, as we get a little closer. You know, I, I was thinking about this. Have you ever noticed you get married, and, and then when you have kids, have you, have you noticed how your name change changes, you know? You used to be Mary, and now you're mom. You used to be John, and now you're dad. And what's, what's really funny is sometimes, you, have you noticed married couples, they refer to each other that way, even, even when the kids aren't around, they just like dad. Mom, you, you know, you, that happens. I want to talk some about balancing all of our identities today, and I want to start at the beginning in Genesis chapter 2 with the first man and first woman, starting in verse 19 of Genesis 2. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he'd taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. May the Lord bless the reading of this as on holy, inspired word. It is truth and light for us today. Well, I want to I deal with this, this institution of the family. You know, God instituted the family, he instituted the government, he instituted the church, but the first one he instituted and the basic unit of organization that God created was the family. Very important to God. I, I was thinking about this, I uh, was thinking back to when Al and Connie got married and we were married for five years and then we had a, a son named Brad and then some three years later we had a son and we named him Ben. And, and, and so we, we changed from Al and Connie to Al and Connie and Brad and Ben. And you, you know how that is. And then you start signing, you know, those Christmas letters, Al and Connie, Brad and Ben. Well, we did that for a number of years. But now we're back to signing those Christmas letters, Al and Connie. Because Brad and Ben have grown up. And they moved away. And they got married. And they have children of their own. And they make decisions without asking Dad. Can you believe it? Yeah, we're still their parents. We love them dearly. They're in our hearts and minds, but on a day-to-day basis, it's back to Al and Connie. I've thought about parenting, and I've thought about marriage, and I've thought about life, and I've thought about some of the things that, that, that I'd like to do over. I think every parent does that, has some things to think, you know, if I could do it again, I'd tweak this, I'd go this way a little bit different, I'd whatever. 
But one of the things that, that, that I think I understood early on, because I kept hearing ministers talk about it, that I would that I'd keep the same, the same, and that is to prioritize our identity as spouses to one another versus our identity as parents. Now, I recognize that different seasons call for different emphases, and I want to also recognize just up front that I'm swimming against the tide today. I'm, I'm, I'm going against the, the tide of popular opinion and, and the world and how a lot of people do things, and maybe probably some of you, and it's just, it's just the way it, it is in the time in which we live. You know, in the early years of marriage, let me just say this, you need to, and if you're just young and married, and if you're not married today, you know somebody's married, so hang on to these thoughts, you can help somebody else maybe, or maybe one day you will be married. And, and, but, but I'm talking about people who are married today, and especially people that have children, so hang with me now. When you first got married, it was just you and your spouse, and, and you needed to give a lot of attention to your marriage because you're establishing a level of, of, of trust and confidence in your relationship with each other. Security, that's a big deal. And then children came along, and children are quite demanding, if you haven't noticed. Physically demanding, labor-intensive, sometimes sleep-depriving. And then there's preschool and elementary school, not quite as labor-intensive, but still a lot of time and attention and instruction. And then you have the pre-puberty and puberty and adolescence, and they're not as physically demanding, but a lot more emotionally demanding. I heard someone say, little kids step on your toes and teenagers step on your heart. I don't know. It may be true. I know what Mark Twain said, when they turn 13, put them in a barrel, feed them through a hole in the barrel. When they turn 16, plug the hole. I didn't play that card, but we did threaten military school. True, very true. So it's an interesting season of life that only those of us who have lived through it can fully, fully appreciate. You will, some of you will be there. And then they launch out into the world, and then it's just you two again. At 40 years old, or 45, or 50, or whatever it is, it's just you two again. So I want to talk about some of our multiple identities today, and, and, and I didn't say multiple personalities, but multiple identities that we have. Hopefully we don't have multiple personalities among us. Hmm, that's a counseling issue. I don't do that. So there are people who help you with that, not me. But number one, your identity. Your number one identity is as, as a child of God. Now, I think we have to always remember this. This is, this is ground zero. This is where we all start, is our identity as a child of God. And if you are in Christ, if there's been a time that you've yielded your life to Christ, you're in Christ today, you're a child of God, and that is your primary identity. That comes before being a spouse or being a parent or anything else. That is who you really are. And I think that's the kind of thing of where you, you drive a stake in the ground and you say, you know what, if nobody else follows God, I'm going to follow God. Nobody else follows. If my, if my spouse quits, if my kids quit, if the preachers that I know quit, if I'm, all my family quits, I'm going to follow God. That's that kind of basic foundational 
that you have to do this. And you have to do this and prioritize, I think, taking care of that before you can be a good spouse or before you can be a good parent. And, and I don't think we really honor Christ if we don't take care of ourselves because life is a marathon. It is not a sprint. My proof text for this is 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And I think honoring God with your bodies, it starts with that kind of healthy self-care, body, soul, and spirit. And you had questions on this, on this part about worship, about your own personal worship, your quiet time with God. Let me tell you, that is so crucial to take care of your spiritual life. If you're too busy to have a quiet time with God, you're too busy. I was talking with somebody before the service today. What, what's going to matter 100 years from now? The second, the second identity is if you're married, it's, it's, it's the husband and wife relationship. And I want to talk today, and this is where I'm going to camp a lot, about taking care of your marriage. Now, um, some of you know I'm, I'm a fan of John Roseman's writings about, about marriage and family. And he wrote a book entitled The Six-Point Plan of Raising Happy, Healthy Children. Then he wrote, an, he wrote another one called The New Six-Point Plan, so, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if he did that. I do know he didn't become a believer until he was probably in his 50s. And, and, and lo and behold, a lot of the principles that he was using, he went back and uh, he discovered that a lot of these principles were biblical principles, and, and which were why a lot of Christians were already uh, listening to some of the things that he said. I, I want to read a quote from his book, and, and, and hang with me on this. A number of years ago, this is Roseman talking, I conducted a series of parenting workshops for working mothers at Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte, North Carolina. I began each series by walking into the room, picking up a piece of chalk, and writing, in my family, my children come first on the blackboard. Turning around, I then asked for a show of hands from those women who subscribed to that principle, and hands shot up everywhere. And many of the women turned to one another and smiled and nodded as if to say, why, of course, we all put our children first and foremost in our lives, don't we? To me, however, those hands and those unspoken exchanges of consensus reflected the degree to which we as a culture have misplaced our family priorities. In the years since World War II, Americans have become increasingly and neurotically obsessed with the raising of children, something that used to be fairly common sense responsibility has taken on the trappings of science. Along the way, child rearing has become parenting with all its high pressure implications. In the process, children have attained a position of prominence within families that they do not warrant, have certainly not earned, and from which they definitely do not benefit, however much they like it. Now, before you stone me, okay, hear me out on this. We have pictures, on, and they're on different sides for a reason. This is a couple, a man and a wife, really buff fellow. Good job, Evan. 
I like that. Over here we have the mom and dad, and over here we have, we have the, 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 the children over here. And I think my basic premise is, is not any more complicated than this, that if we pour ourselves into being really, really good parents, that that will overflow. The overflow of pouring myself into being a really, really good parent will make me have a really good marriage and a really good family, therefore. Do you think that? Or do you think maybe the converse may be true, that if I pour myself into my relationship with my spouse and invest in being a good husband or a good wife, that the chances are greater that the overflow, what will cascade out of that relationship, will then be children who are blessed and a strong family. I want to argue for the second option. And I think I live in a culture today that basically is saying, door number one, pour yourself in your kids, pour yourself in your kids, don't worry about your marriage. Hmm, I wonder if that's why we have so many marriages that are failing today. Just a thought. Don't know. I, I really believe that there are no guarantees that you know, there's no guarantees that you say, well, if I have a good marriage, then I'm going to be a good parent and have great families. But I think the odds are greater of the family overall being stronger and healthier if you start with prioritizing your relationship with your spouse. Now, marriage is a good thing. The Bible talks about this a lot. Proverbs 5.18, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. So go home today and rejoice, men, in the wife of your youth. Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Proverbs 19.14, houses and wealth are inherited from parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. It's interesting, all these passages talk about finding a wife. They don't talk anything about finding a husband, does it? You know? A man was writing this, but that's why, that's why we're going to say that. But it's, I think it can go both ways. New Testament gives us a little more balanced approach in 1 Corinthians 7. That's a great passage. Verse 33 says, But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. And then in verse 34, But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. Now this is written in the context where Paul is saying, If you don't marry, you have more time for ministry and to build the kingdom of God. And he recognizes that the right thing, hear me, he's not saying this is wrong. He's saying this is the way it is. You have less hours in your day to give to building the kingdom of God and doing ministry if you're a married person. Why? Because the right thing, the right thing is that you take care of your relationship with your spouse. And, and I don't think, I know I'm swimming against the tide, I know this is out there, but I just want to tell you that having children does not change any of these verses. 
Doesn't, it doesn't change Ephesians 5 where it talks about this love and respect that's supposed to go on. And a lot of us have done the study, the love and respect that's supposed to go on between a husband and wife. And we need to give our attention to loving our wives and wives respecting your husbands. And that takes work and that takes effort and that takes attention. And I think, I think a lot of attention is being given over here to the neglect of over here. I think as long as we're breathing, our spouse should be a blessing to us and we're called to be a blessing to them and we should be concerned about how we take care and please and honor and love and respect our spouses. Children, no children. Genesis 2, the last two verses. For, a, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Let me just run through this. It's a powerful passage. He says you're to leave your parents. Now, for some of you, that's not very hard. For some of you, that's very hard. You've lived in a dependent relationship with them. It doesn't mean you abandon your parents, you quit loving your parents, you mistreat your parents, but you leave that place of dependence upon the parent-child relationship for security, for protection, even for financial support. You determine your spouse comes before mom and dad. That's an issue for some of you. You say, you know my life? No, I just know that out of this many people, it's going to be an issue for some of you. Second thing, it says that we are to be united to our wives. The King James Version says cleave. The idea in the Hebrew is that you clean together, you glue together. That's this idea of till death do us part. We're not going to use the D word at our house. We're going to figure out how to make this thing work. That's what that is. It goes on to say that you become one flesh. That's the unity that God Intends. That's why it's Alan Connie, Alan Connie, Alan Connie. And you and your spouse, you and your spouse, you and your spouse. Now, now that doesn't just happen, that takes work at it. And I see people that have been, long, been married a long time and they seem to be still living on separate tracks. There doesn't seem to be this fusion, this flowing together like two tributaries coming together to make a strong river that I believe that God intends to happen between a man and a woman when you get married. I believe that kind of relationship, that kind of relationship is going to make for a strong family and it's going to bless your children more than you just focusing on your children. Last part, they were naked and not ashamed. And that passage really has more to do with openness and vulnerability than it does sex. Openness and vulnerability. I don't know how to say it any stronger, but I believe this, that strong marriages will overflow into good parenting. And I just want to tell you, I don't, I don't, I don't read anything in Scripture that even approaches this kind of teaching that we have about the marriage relationship, this kind of unity, this kind of cleaving together, this, this permanence, this union, this oneness, 
this vulnerability. I don't see anything else in Scripture relating to the parent-child relationship that approaches the primacy, the power that we have in a husband and a wife together. So build your strong, build a strong marriage. I'm gonna give you four tips. Four tips. Number one, have a date night without your kids. Number two, put your kids to bed early. So mom and dad can have some adult time. Number three, pray together. Pray together every day. That's not just thanking God for your food. Pray together. It brings a vulnerability. Prayer with another person brings a vulnerability that you don't get other places. Fourth thing is share your God thoughts. Share your God thoughts. What you've been reading in your Bible. What's God been teaching you? What have you been thinking? So well, I don't know if I have any. Well, you better find some. I mean, that's Christianity. If you don't have any God thoughts, then you, you need to back up. You need, to go, you need to start over again and start saying, why don't I have any God thoughts in my heart? You need to be sharing those big thoughts with your spouse. You need to be building this relationship with them. And you need to build this relationship. And I believe, I believe this. I, I heard older ministers say this when I was a young fellow. If you pour yourself into your marriage, you'll have a strong family and you'll bless your children. Make that a priority. And you have to work at this because, because, okay. Again, I'm swimming against the tide. Not only, I think there's something in here that children are young and vulnerable and surely they need all of our attention and devotion and all of this and don't neglect your children. I'm not, don't hear, don't read anything like that into that. Connie and I took parenting seriously, but hear me, the best way to be a good parent is to be a good spouse. I believe that. Now, if I'm wrong, you, 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 if you show me, build a case, build a case from the Word of God to help me because, but I believe the Bible is our rule of faith and practice. And I believe God's way is always the best way. It's the instruction manual for how we should live, more so than pop culture or psychology or whatever latest books are coming out. So, invest more in your marriage. Let your marriage overflow into your parenting, not your parent parenting overflow into your marriage. A little more about this parent-centered home next week, if, if you could stand some more teaching on it, and I'll do that for Mother's Day. Uh, if you have other thoughts or whatever, as always, see me more... On a more serious level, you know, as always, if you're looking to take your next step in your spiritual journey and you'd like to talk to somebody, to me, to our staff, we'd love to chat with you. That's, uh, that's very important to us. Let's stand together for our closing prayer. Father in heaven, thank you that um, you looked down on earth and you saw Adam and you said it's not good for man to be alone. And because of that, you have blessed us with the institution of marriage. It's a gift from you. We thank you for it. 
May we love our spouses well, those of us who are married. And may the overflow of that be that if we have children, that we will bless them and encourage them and parent well out of a strong foundation of standing together. Father, I didn't even talk about it today, but there are a lot of single parents who are doing it by themselves. And I pray that you'd give them a double blessing upon them, strengthen them, help them to be all that they can be as a parent. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.